day that you're here, and I'm excited to bring uh, God's Word to us this morning. You know, I really appreciate that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. I start every morning when I thank the Lord for opening the eyes of my heart, of my understanding, to see Jesus uh, lifted up uh, as my Lord and my Savior. Um, you know, there's an old expression in cowboy movies when the good, the good cowboys are trying to get the, catch the bad cowboys, they, they, let's head them off at the pass. Uh, and it's usually a shortcut uh, intercepting uh, the men on their, on their way or their escape. Uh, but intercepting is not just common to cowboy movies. It happens to pastors uh, sometimes when they're preparing messages. Um, I had this amazing message. Paul and I have our preaching schedule uh, from Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4. And it was about the past, present, and the future glory that is ours in Christ and the hope, the position of hope that we have in him. So you're probably thinking, oh good, he's got a great revelation for us this morning. Uh, and if you remember, the last time I spoke was out of the book of Ecclesiastes where Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, and maybe that's true of pastors in their messages. But I'd like to title this The Great Reminder or perhaps The Great Rock. You know, it was Christ Jesus who said in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its life on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The same rain, storms, uh, streams rose, uh, and this house fell with a great crash uh, because its roots were in the sand. As a pastor, uh, I, I, to say that I'm alarmed is an understatement. And what I'm talking about specifically is what I call the disintegration of the church. And I'm inclined to use the word church loosely because much of what is to be Christ's church has fast become a pitiful excuse. Churches building their foundations on sand. You see, the, the disintegration of the church happens when, as Paul said in Romans 3.18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. And the reality is the church is to be distinctive. And the church is distinctive when, as David said best in Psalm 86.11, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name, to fear the word of God, to fear the word of God of grace and truth. And unfortunately, in much of the church today, truth is becoming harder and harder to find of all places where it should be found in the church of Jesus Christ. The church and believers instead are becoming a soft soap or a soft peddler of truth. As Tyler read this morning, John 1, 1 and verse 2, understanding the significance. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
how profound that is. And from the beginning, God made it clear that you cannot separate truth from Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ from the truth. And the reality is, without truth, there is no sanctification. Sanctification just means to be set apart and made holy. A holy vessel for holy use. Jesus said in John 17, 7, attesting to that, sanctify them when he was praying for not only the disciples of his day as he was nearing the hour of crucifixion, but for all the disciples to come. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And the church must embrace those stakes. What is most profound is the words that he spoke just before that in John 17, 14. I have given them your word. Listen closely. I have given them your word. I have given them the word of God. It's not yet complete, but it would be complete. I have given them your word, and the world hated them. Do you understand that? And the reality is Jesus said the same thing in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You see, it goes hand in hand. If we're going to stick to Christ and we're going to stick to the truth and the authority of his word, we will be hated in this world. Light shines into darkness, John says, and the darkness did not receive it. It rejected it. If we're going to hold to Christ and his word, if the church is going to hold to the Christ and his word, we will be hated. And unfortunately, much of our church today is running from that truth or watering down that truth or compromising that truth in the name of getting along or trying to be relevant in a dark, fallen culture. It cannot happen. And we all know I stand here today and we've got problems in this nation, and there are problems around the world. But all of those problems are rooted back to one thing, sin. We have a sin problem, and we have a big sin problem in the world today. Just a little bit of research, and I could, pick, I could have picked a lot of different uh, examples. You know, there's four million porn sites uh, on the internet today our debt as a nation is 31, over $31 trillion. God said when we abandon his word, that's going to be a sure sign, is the national debt or the debt of a nation. Political corruption is rampant, notwithstanding some of our local politicians. But we know, we know that politics is absolutely corrupted today. Why? Because we've abandoned truth. And as I always say, when we abandon truth, when we abandon God's word, godlessness and lawlessness will always go hand in hand. Amen? Yeah. You know, Paul describes in Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, and I do want to preach on that word sometime, but he describes what a godless society looks like, how the wickedness and the evil abounds every imaginable evil. Three times in that passage, God gave them over. In other words, when we cast off the word of God, eventually God casts off or casts off his restraints to call us back. And we're living in a culture today, uh, a godless culture where we have cast off all restraints and we see the wickedness abounding today. 
We see it paraded in our streets. Unbelievable. We see it paraded in our schools. It's repulsive. And as Paul declares, professing to be wise, they became fools instead. That's the end. That's the end game for any human being, any culture, any nation that abandons God and abandons God's word. We become fools. And right becomes wrong. And wrong becomes right. Where is the church? And better, what is the church? The reality is the church is to be the last bastion of salt and light, of grace and truth. And there is no solution. There isn't a political solution. There isn't an economical solution. There is no solution apart from God, apart from God's word, and apart from the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. Here's the key word, the second one, rebuking, reproving people, telling them you're wrong, your lifestyle's wrong, your way is wrong, correcting and training in righteousness. And what that simply means is, teaching means it shows us the path of God. Rebuking shows us where we got off the path of God. Correcting shows us how to get back on the path of God. And training tells us how to teach or to stay on the path of God. And Christians and the church are foolish if they think they can depart from the truth of God's word and be relevant in this culture we live in. You see, the church wasn't designed to live compromised to the culture. The church was designed to be the light and the truth to a lost culture, to a dark world. And where we end up, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, 1 19, our, our faith is shipwrecked, we're on the rocks, or we are salt. Jesus said in Matthew 6, that is good for nothing and to be thrown out and be trampled by men. I see a lot of the world trampling the church today. And lastly, and the most dangerous is Romans 1, where God casts off restraint. He lets go. He lets go. You see, the truth is, the risen, the risen Christ is the living word, and the living word is the risen Christ. That's where this message all began. Uh, God just gave me that in a dream about three weeks ago. He intercepted me, and he said, you, you've got you've to teach on this. You see, if we claim Christ then we claim and embrace the Word of God, the entire counsel of the Word of God, all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. We can't expect a godless culture to embrace this, but Lord, help us when the church abandons this truth, when the church abandons and forsakes the, the Word of God. We can't embrace Christ without embracing the 66 books of the inerrant, infallible word of God. Now we have an all-out assault on the church, in particular, who reigns over the church, who leads the church, and how they lead. It started years ago, when I started uh, pastoring in Grand Forks 30 years ago, the attack was homosexuality. 
and recognizing and accepting it in the church. And now it's, it's just morphed from there. It's a full-blown word. It's a full-blown war on the inerrancy and the infallibility of the truth of God's word. To which Jude writes in that day, listen to these words, how, how relevant they are today, how true they are today. Jude 1.4, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. That is the church. They are what? Godless men. They are godless men who pervert the grace or the love of God into a license for immorality. That's what we have. We have free reign on immorality. But here's the key, and they deny Jesus Christ. You see, when you live an immoral lifestyle contrary to God's word, I'm not talking about a, a, a repentant sinner who comes to the Lord and has to battle. But I'm talking about when you pervert the grace, the love of God into a license for immorality, anything goes, nothing matters, there's no consequences, we deny Jesus Christ. We deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. And now, I know in Fargo recently, we've ordained a transgender pastor. We are now, as a church, ordaining perversion in the pulpit. Understand the significance and the attack on the church today. In the name of grace and love, recently, Pastor Andy Stanley, a believer, the son of the infamous uh, Pastor Charles Stanley, got a mega church, got mega churches down in the Atlanta, mega following, said this, the Christian faith doesn't rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. In other words, the Christian faith doesn't rely on the truth of Scripture. What it relies on, it rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth. Did you hear that? Do you hear that? Do you see the onslaught, the danger of apostasy, the danger of heresy. You see, the Christian and the church now, the language is all about grace, all about love, but not truth. And you can't separate the two, and we'll talk about that. See, we're soft soap, we're soft selling the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves you right where you are. God loves you in your sin. God loves you no matter if you continually and habitually practice your sinful lifestyle. God loves you. God loves you in your depravity. God loves you in your immorality. And the church is going along to get along. And it's only, if it's only a gospel of love, why does Jesus say in Matthew 25, 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is ammo that we need to have as a church in our culture today. Many claim to know God. I think 72% of America professes to be Christian. And yet... We're living in such wicked, immoral times. I think Christ says it best. In Matthew 7, 23, depart from me, I never knew you. See, many people claim to know God, but many people do not possess Jesus Christ. Broad is the way, narrow is the gate, Jesus said. 
Unless we forget, Moses was reminded by God in Deuteronomy 8.1, be careful, be careful, be very careful. Do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands. See, when you forget God, you also fail to observe his commands, his truth. 295 times in the Old Testament, God said, do not forget or remember. The same variant. And in case you forgot, in case the church has forgot the first words of Jesus' public ministry, the same first words of John the Baptist, as John alludes to here. The first words of Jesus Christ was repent, was repent. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is first a gospel of repentance. And unless we forget, here's the formula that I've carried in. Uh, the repentance formula, if you will. It first recognizes my sin. It rejects my sin. I renounce my sin, and I reverse course. Repent actually means to turn and reverse course. That is when the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ comes into our life. You see, everybody loves Jesus until you begin to define who he is. He's the God of grace and truth. Paul writes to the church at Galatia in chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, this amazing church that started like a rocket ship and now was beginning to slide. He said, I'm astonished that you so quick, quickly desert the one, that's Jesus, who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which really is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel. But, he says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. Boy, those are strong words for a loving God. I think it gives us an indication how important truth is to God. Obviously, the enemy is behind it. You know, the best lies are the ones that are always closest to the truth. In Genesis 3.1, after Adam and Eve's creation, Satan approaches and says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? No, that's not what God said. But the reality is, the truth is, the lie has always been to doubt the authority of God's word. The lie... 6,000 years ago is the same lie today. Christian church, believing church, deny or doubt the authority of this word. Old Testament and New Testament. And we know that Eve was instructed correctly by her husband because she responded to that. We may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree. You see, he just changed one word. Any tree, but the truth is it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you must not touch it or you will surely die. You see, unless we forget, it was a simple law of God 6,000 years ago. And it hasn't changed. It's the same law then, it's the same law now. It's either live by my word to live under the authority of my word or 
die or bring death into your world, into your life, into your church. You see, love is God giving you and I free will to choose, to choose to follow him. But we can pick a problem, any problem in our culture today, marriage, family, sin, any of it, it's all predicated on the fact that we have abandoned Christ and his word. One of the things that I teach in pre-marriage classes is the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the husband, wife, and Jesus Christ. You see, and as long as the husband and wife are set on following Jesus and fixing their life on Jesus and following his word, uh, a lot of problems are going to be solved, right? And that's what the marriage union is to reflect. So the last three lies, the last three temptations Satan comes back with in verses 4 and 5, you will not surely die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The trouble is God doesn't know evil, but that's the lie. You will surely die. God said you would die if you abandoned the truth of his word. And the church must stop biting the apple. Your eyes will be open. No, they will not be open. You'll become blinded. You'll become hard-hearted. And you'll begin to compromise your life. And you'll allow compromise everywhere in your culture. And lastly, you'll be like God. No, you won't. You'll be your own God. You'll be your own God. You'll call the shots. You'll decide what's right and wrong. You'll decide based on how you feel and rather than the truth. James writes in 1.13, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he attempt anyone. See, the reality is God no more, God no more made a person with a perverted gender identity than he created a, a, an adulterer a thief, a liar, a cheat. You go right down the list. They weren't created by God. They were man's choice when he abandoned the word of God. So now we tie back to John chapter 1, in the beginning, because that's what John 1 does. It ties back to Genesis, in the beginning, in the beginning. In the beginning was God. And the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. You see, that's a direct tie to the authority of Christ and his word. It's a direct tie linking the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Old Testament word to the New Testament word. That's critical. And an Old Testament God to a New Testament God who said in Genesis, if you abandon my word, you will die. He's the same God speaking the same word. It's not covered or iced in love. It's always been love and truth. See, the truth is the Bible, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, is the transcendent word of God. Transcendent just means it's outside the bounds of anything we with finite minds know and understand. The word of God is transcendent. What it's simply saying is that there's nothing before the word and there's nothing apart from the word. The word of God. 
The word is transcendent. John testified to the power and the authority and the sovereignty of Christ and his word with these words in John 1.1. And yet we have feeble, fallen, finite, sinful man inside the church now and outside the church thinking they have the audacity to trample the truth of God's word the audacity to truth, or trample the word of God. Jesus said in John 14, 9, and this was really hard for the Jewish people of his day, anyone who has seen the Father has seen me. If you see God, if you understand God, then you see and understand me. So let's listen to what John writes about this God of grace and truth. Not a God Apart from truth. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. And there it is. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. And we have to be warned, believers. I know when I first got raised up uh, and overseeing our worship teams was that our lyrics always must align with Scripture. You know, there's a song out today, only love, only love is in the heart of God. Now, I don't deny God is love, but my Bible says God is full of love and truth, full of grace and truth. It isn't only love, it's truth, it's righteousness, it's justice, it's everything our society should be founded upon. John 14, 24. Those who worship God must worship God in spirit and truth. And so when we say God is only a God of love, we're not worshiping him in spirit and truth. When we say God is a God of love and truth, then we are worshiping in spirit and truth. And the most, the most prolific verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16, it's right there. It used to be the, the most widely known verse in our nation. Now it's Matthew 7, do not judge, lest ye be judged. It's true. It's true. How many times have you heard that? Oh, don't judge me. Well, okay, we're not going to have judging of con uh, the content of our character. Then let's throw away the keys to jails and to prisons. Why have police, right? We make judgments all the time. We're supposed to make judgments against right and wrong. We don't condemn people to hell. That's going to be left to Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. There's the grace that he gave, you know, I, I marvel. I, I hope that God won't hold me. But God was politically correct 2,500 years ago when he used that word, he gave. See, the reality, he didn't just give. He crucified him. He poured out all of his wrath on Christ. He nailed him to the cross. That what, that's what it means that he gave. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And the truth is, love without truth isn't love. You can't love somebody into heaven. You can love somebody and share the truth and usher them to heaven. He loved and he gave. He crucified his son. No shortcuts, no shortcake. How many parents 
are in our audience, so you all got to raise your hand if you're a parent. Here's a perfect example of grace and truth. How many of you parents just shepherded in love only? Anybody? Oh, I'm just going to love my child. I'm not going to correct him. I'm not going to share truth with him. No, there isn't anybody who doesn't love their child enough. As Paul writes in Hebrews 12, God loves us enough to discipline us. So does the earthly father and the earthly mother. They love us enough to share the truth with us and discipline us. All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person of God can be thoroughly equipped. And that's how we shepherded in our own home. You see, everything we do is when we live in Christ is to be a reflection of the glory, John writes, and the truth of who God is. We don't just shepherd the hearts of our children in love. We shepherd with love and truth. And for the church to be true and the church to be truthful and above all else, above all else, for the church to be relevant, we have to live by grace and truth. And that is to fear the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for your word today. Boy, never have the, the stakes been higher for the church, Lord, to be the salt and the light. Unfortunately, Lord, many are are watering down and compromising. And now we have a gospel of love without a gospel of repentance. We have a gospel of love without a gospel of truth. And we will never be relevant in this culture, Lord, without it. God help us here at Submerged Church, not only today, but in the months and the years ahead, to be relevant in our culture, we have to be relevant before you. Help the church to see that. Help the church to understand that today. Open the eyes of the leaders in our churches, Lord. To be relevant in our culture, we have to be relevant before you, the God of grace and truth. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.